0: This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at tjflutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook and at TrevorJamesFlutes.com. Hello and welcome this week to Talking Flutes Extra with me, Jean-Paul Wright this week I have a very special guest at the other end of this line. Ekaterina Kornishina was born in Moscow and started studying music at the tender age of only four. In 2003 she began her flute studies at the Central Music School under Professor Yuri Dolzikov. At the age of only 13 Katya won the New Names Foundation Scholarship and when she turned 18 received an invitation from Vladimir Spivakov to be soloist with the National Philharmonic Orchestra of Russia. In 2018, Ekaterina graduated from the Moscow State Conservatory under the guiding eyes of Professor Alexander Golyshev and moved to Madrid where she started her study at the Reina Sofia with the wonderful Jacques Zun. In 2020... She released a CD of her own arrangements for flute and piano of works by Rachmaninoff on the famous Russian music label, Melody. Since the age of 11, Ekaterina had had a very diverse repertoire, embracing not only classical compositions, but also jazz and contemporary academic music. But Ekaterina is not just a brilliant musician and flute player. She happens to be born in Moscow, into a family of scientists and athletes, the result of which is this lady is driven to learn more. Indeed, she gained an extra degree in psychology and maintains a huge passion, as we will hear in a moment, for its integration as an aid for musician. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is London Calling, this is London Calling. Welcome to the fabulous Ekaterina Konishina, who joins us joins me today from Madrid. Good afternoon, my lady.
1: Thank you so much for this introduction. Hello, everyone who are listening to us. I'm a bit uh, shy about my English, but um, anyway, I'm sure we're going to have an amazing conversation.
0: We're going to have a wonderful conversation because we had a little chat beforehand and I find you a fascinating individual. <laughs> <laughs> Not only so young, but you have managed to th- put so much together into this whole package that you're just bursting with energy trying to get this out, not only as a performer, but as a teacher and as a, a therapeutic resource.
1: I am dreaming, driven in my life with only one. The most important thing is curiosity. Yes. This is my, <laughs> my, my wind and uh, this is what makes me be what I am. <laughs>
0: I think if anybody follows you, and you should follow her on uh, social media, certainly on Instagram, because you see a lot of Katya, she's under Kate Cornish uh, Instagram, is that you seem to get all angles with her. Not only the modelling side, but you get the musician side, (laughs) you get the frustration side, you get the food side, you get everything. And and, And it is an honest account of somebody that is constantly learning and enjoying.
1: Yes. I am, and this is one of the most important things for me in life, to be in constant learning. I cannot stop. I want to know. I want to explore the world. I want, I cannot just make my, I cannot put myself in the frames of being just a flute player. Because I think to be a good musician, you have to explore this world in any direction. And you have to be educated well in many directions. This is what makes our profession so special. So,
0: tell me, what was it really like? What was it really like growing up in a family of intellectuals? And what were your first memories of your childhood?
1: I, I, can, I don't have any clear memory, but I have a clear feeling about my childhood. It was a very happy childhood. Even though I have a specific family because um, my grandparents, my grandfather especially, he was a Paralympic champion. He, my grandfather and my grandmother, they couldn't hear. And also my grandfather, he was an engineer. He was building airplanes. I don't have a father because unfortunately he didn't participate in my life since I was born. But my childhood was the most happy childhood ever. I I, I had, I mean, I had only one childhood. <laughs> I can say, compare so many of my friends. Yes, I'm a happy person because I have only happy memories. And uh, I've learned a lot from my childhood. And like everyone uh, who knows the principles of psychology, we... we we, we kind of choose our path from a childhood it's not it doesn't come when you suddenly grow up and you become an adult no you develop yourself out of your childhood so I was lucky in this case I I had a very very beautiful relationship with my family and I was always uh, a, lot, a kid who was loved and appreciated but of course of course <laughs> As I was a very curious kid and uh, many times difficult kid, uh, it had its own consequences, yeah, and troubles because I wanted to do a lot of things and I didn't know what exactly I want to do. I wanted to be a singer first of all because at three years old I forced my mother to translate me all italian operas and to read me before going to sleep uh, yeah like so of fairy tales i was singing not talking and uh, i ended up to sing in a bolshoi theater children's choir and there was a beautiful story <laughs> on the stage because i was participating in adrienne licoubert opera i was playing a role of Amu, small cupidon and uh, I got super bored because the baritone who was singing his aria he was very boring. He was, he was just boring, singing, and it was so exhausting for me. So I started to walk during a performance. I started to walk on the historical stage of Bourgeois Theatre and being like, I'm at my place, of course, which it, 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 it was a big resonation in the audience because it was like this typical video. Now, if we could have a mobile phone at that time, I would be a star of <laughs> Instagram, sure. So I was like walking with these wings and the ball, and suddenly I've seen there is an orchestra sitting. I was so surprised because I didn't I didn't know that it works this way, and I I truly was amazed. And I really I knew my role very well because I was five, and I I've seen this flute player first flute player, and I, I just, he was so nice and he was playing a beautiful solo in this boring aria, and I just put this ball and sent arrow to him, but of course it was uh, like a kid bow, so nobody, <laughs> nobody was hurt, thanks God. But of course the audience, all the attention was mine, and uh, many late, many years later alexander goloshev who was my pro- he was my professor in uh, central music school when yuri dolzhikov passed away and after he remained being my professor in moscow conservatory he told this story to a class because he was this flute <laughs> player and i i was sitting in the chair and i was so <laughs> This crazy girl was me. <laughs> because he, of course, it was like a joke that someone wanted to kill him during a performance. But <laughs> yeah, I, after that performance, I came to my mom and I said, oh my God, what was that instrument I want to try?
0: Yeah, and I'm just visualising the Bolshoi theatre and uh, yeah. Italian opera. I don't have- and then you're I walking think- around bored because the aria is boring and just being in awe of the audience and then noticing there's an, there's an orchestra... Actually, down there.
1: The conductor was, what is happening? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
0: what a great way in to music. Yeah,
1: I wanted to be a violin player, first of all. But that didn't happen because my mother didn't want me, so she was relieved. So what did
0: your first professor, Yuri Dol- Dolzikov, and also Alexander yeah. Dolzikov, what did they do for your early flute development then?
1: Yuri Dolzikov, as you know, he... I, I I don't know if you know, he was uh, like a legendary prophet in Russia. Mm-hmm. Denis Bukov was his student and he still speaks about him with a lonely heart and I was his last student. He was a big friend of uh, Rampal. Mm-hmm. And he always was against this Soviet-Russian way of playing flute. He was for this big sound. He he learned a lot in Paris. And he made his own school in Russia. And this school now is represented by many, many great flute players. And Denis Borekov is one of them. He always say it, which is, I find, very beautiful and important because it's true that this person was extremely special like a genius on flute he wouldn't play though he was genius professor he you know I believe actually that you of course you you have to know how you how to do things to explain them but to be a good professor especially for kids and teenagers it's like a completely different profession to be a player in teaching you need <laughs> Completely different approach. So he wasn't shown much, but he knew how to have a special approach to everyone, even though sometimes, of course, because it was Soviet Russia, it was difficult and it was a difficult character. I was uh, many times kicked out from the class and <laughs> screaming stupid, and the notes were like thrown on me and something which is absolutely unimaginable nowadays. But this approach was so honest and so true, even though he was a I would say a troubled man, right? It was so true and honest to himself that many flute players, very strong, and may, of course. Others weren't very strong enough and it was difficult for them. So I, I can imagine that maybe half of them maybe would suffer a lot with him. But I was lucky because I had a very, I would say, strong character from childhood. So I, if he would tell me that I'm stupid, I would tell him you are stupid back when I'm eight years old. He would he would appreciate me because of this. I know this. And one of the reasons why I started to play flute and he accepted me to the class because I was too young, because I was a singer before. He always was saying that you have to have an approach of a singer when you play flute. So
0: Absolutely agree. Yeah.
1: My sound was immediately good. I wouldn't play, I couldn't, I wouldn't play a D minor scale, I wouldn't be able to play it, but I would do it with a beautiful sound. And he would always say, older, like, Look, she comes from where. Right? she's singing, look. The sound look so everything was open relaxed and I was lucky I yeah, was this from beginning uh, thanks to singing and thanks to him because of course at school was
0: <laughs> are you I, the young are you the youngest child I asked that I'm if,
1: the only one I'm the I'm a late child as we say but I'm the only one
0: ah it's unusual isn't it because normally if you have a number of children normally the the last one is allowed to go in their own merry way and they're normally the ones that Ah uh, could not be quite creative? can be a bit troublesome, but you've been the only one uh, you were given I a am, lot of freedom, weren't you?
1: yeah, but I was as my mother she she has three degrees different <laughs> My mother is the person who can live three three years in a camp in the mountains without anything and my mother, for example, last year she would spend three months in the boat alone in the river and feeling great. <laughs> So I, was, I always had my time for myself. I was never pushed. Only with music, maybe, my mother was pushing me. But the rest, I was... In Russia we say, which means that I was my own... I owned myself. I had—I was always, since a kid, I was doing my stuff, my interests, and nobody ever would control me in terms of what I should do, what I shouldn't do. Like, I think that's why... I will my curiosity wasn't killed, you know, because mm-hmm. it can be killed by controlling
0: yeah, curiosity killed the cat, yeah, absolutely <laughs> it's the, <laughs> the aim of curiosity is so important in that to know yourself as an individual you've got to be curious, you've got to know who you are, and you know again, we'll speak about this later, but many it's when you can truly hear a musician that knows who they are, something special happens. And on that something special, you've spoken about a long conversation you that you had with Emmanuel Pahud when you were sixteen, which yeah. was a defining moment. Without giving us too much information, what did he tell no, you? No,
1: I, I can. It was, it was beautiful because um, Emmanuel he was playing a concert in uh, with Moscow Virtuosi Chamber Orchestra under Vladimir Spivakov. And Vladimir Spivakov, I was in his foundation and he he saw a lot of potential in me. So he introduced me to Emmanuel and he wanted him to listen to me. And we had just a private session with uh, Emmanuel. And it was a beautiful experience because I started to play him Pulang Sanat. And I played, I swear to God, 15 minutes and the rest, like maybe two hours, we were just talking. I didn't play more. And it wasn't about playing, it was about this the way, the the kind of a conversation we are having now with you. It was important for me to ask him questions like, what is to be a musician and not to be a flute player because of course he told me yeah on the beginning like yeah you you should do this you should do that you should play this phrase like this yeah you need to at the end he told me that i need to learn styles and to play in different style but yes i'm talented just i need to practice and to learn to learn to learn to learn so basically the whole conversation the the, the rest of the conversation was about life about what is to be a musician. And I was curious. I was this kid, I was 16, and I was asking him, do you think um, it's possible to have a career uh, without winning a competition? Because I have a very, very particular opinion and competitions, and I'm fighting against mm-hmm. this concept that I have to participate and I don't want to participate in this because I don't believe in, in a judgment in general, and in a competition, the way competitions exist for music. And um, of course, everybody still go to competitions because it's needed. But I am I'm fighting against that. I am not participating on purpose, which makes my career very difficult. I, this is my past. So my concern at that time already was about this. And I asked him, is it possible? And he told me, of course, of course it's possible. You just need to have your conductor who would play with you, right? Like a soloist or whatever you want to do. You, it's still a matter of luck at the end. We cannot deny it. life is not only what you do. It's also luck. It's easier, I think, to live with this concept than to try over control things, which is not possible in life, right? Because there are many people who do the same things. I know so many talented field players, my friends who are such a great players and they don't have a job and they won these competitions, they participated. So I was curious and I was asking him about this and we had a long conversation and basically he cheered me up. He told me, of course, but of course it's a very difficult path. If you choose it, you will struggle, but you will also, it's not an easy path to win a competition. Nobody says that, of course. But it's possible, anything is possible in life.
0: Yeah, I suppose what a competition does is gets you, gets you known. But as we all know, there's lots of politics in competitions and there's normally the same people that do the same competitions and it doesn't guarantee you a future.
1: It, it doesn't guarantee you anything and it doesn't, it just kills your nerves. It, at the end, if we speak about basics of psychology, it's the worst thing you can do with a musician to compare... You can compare yourself only with yourself, no one else. It's not only in music, but in sport. But in sport, at least we have particular measures for, yeah, you jump fire, yeah, you won. But music, it's a matter of taste.
0: Absolutely. Can,
1: also also cuisine. <laughs> I am absolutely away from that. It's not that I'm, you know, I'm not an activist. I'm not against, I'm not going to, to ag- agitate, agitate people. Yep. But I feel just so out of this plate
0: myself. I love the analogy of food because if in a competition, you all had to play the middle movement of the pool line and you all played it. So everybody played the notes because everyone's a good player. Some people would play it in with a spicy feel. Some people would play it with a, a fish and chip feel. Someone would play it with a tapas feel. Someone would play it with a, a chili feel. And we all have different preferences. Absolutely. And it's. I like
1: to eat without for Sorry, to I like to eat without fork and knife. I don't care about perfection, clear plates, and you know that it has to be beautiful. I do not care. I like to eat. So you know, it can be whatever.
0: But that's what makes things exciting. When there isn't prescriptive. And when you have the freedom <laughs> to actually explore within the note. So you had that wisdom from Manuel, and then you moved it
1: inspired me a lot. And then
0: yeah. you then you moved to the phenomenal Jacques Zun. You see? It
1: was it was idea of Emmanuel Payou because it was a beautiful present from him I received the letter from he played a concert, and after I received the letter from a secretary of Vladimir Spivakov, where Emmanuel wrote me every professor in every country i should consider to study with wow and i still have of course this letter at my like in the frame at my place in moscow but the only person i didn't know there was jack soon because in russia he's not super known wow he's not and i didn't i remember my feeling like okay this i know yeah okay, i i know everyone i went to many master classes i love all of these professors, but I never felt my person, you know, like in terms of like my father, which I didn't have, you know, I yes. a- always wanted to have like a Buddha who I would just adore fully. And it just didn't happen connection, you know, like this with other professors, which are still amazing. And they gave me so much in any classes. Jacques Zolle was the one who I was like, who is this? <laughs> We laughed with him many times about this because I, I didn't have any idea. After many years, because I started, after my career was going a bit different way because I started to work in the orchestra as a principal flute and I was totally a green girl. You know, I don't know if you say that in English, but I wasn't. I didn't have any experience. I wasn't able to be a first flute at 18 years old. Of course not, you, you need to have nerve, you need to know. I wasn't, I was talented, but I wasn't ready technically. I needed to study more. And um, after this, I worked three years in this orchestra and my career was a bit, uh, I, I, I started to live a life of a person who is working, you know, every day in the orchestra. And it's more like a job. It's nothing about art. And I was too young for that. And I was surrounded by 40 years old men who were always hating their job and all the conductors were coming. I would start to be like this because of course you are influenced by your surrounding. And after at some point something just clicked because I was like 22. I was like well, something's going wrong. Something's go- going wrong. I'm not happy. I yes I have a great position and um, many people didn't like me because of this of course and but it's nothing what I want from life like nothing I don't want to live that life and no money can buy that no money so it happened so accidentally that I had to leave orchestra because of some personal problems also and it was like a blessing I was at the beginning I was worried but at the end it was blessing because I wanted to move on I started to do solo career I mean I don't like to say I started to do a solo career I'm not a solo flute player I'm nothing like this I'm just a musician I love to do everything what's possible so I started to participate in many projects mainly at that time because I was to play a lot like like a soloist and uh, not only in Russia but in France in uh, Germany but still I wasn't satisfied I, I still felt always that I lack something I cannot express myself well in flute while I'm playing fluid. I didn't know what was that, repertoire or the instrument. Uh, Something was wrong always. Not, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't feeling good. And uh, accidentally, I just, got into Jacques' soon class. It was funny because one month before I was not accepted to Paris Conservatory because my boyfriend was living in Paris and I thought, okay, I well, I want to live in France because France is my favorite country and my favorite language. Of course, I wanted to, I love Sophie Cherie, I love the, uh, Philippe Bernoulli, they're absolutely outstanding people and the musicians. I wanted to study, but they didn't take me in Paris Conservatory and I thought through, I, I swear to God, I thought that I played the best, the best audition in my life. I went out from the stage and was like, oh my God, it was amazing. And I wasn't taken, um, I wasn't taken I, I, They didn't take me to the conservatory. One month later, accidentally I come to Madrid because I knew a scholarship. I couldn't, I couldn't afford to study in Geneva with Jacques. So I just wanted to try because this school and school of music in Madrid, they offer scholarships. For living and for grand for studying and the school is outstanding itself and the country also sunny and nice weather so like why not and I have to tell you I played so bad so bad <laughs> and I was I, I was sure I, nobody will take me and I he he took me in his class and I was his first ever Russian flute player in the class. <laughs> I couldn't believe it happens because, of course, at that time I already knew who is Jack zone. After a few months working with Jack, he became for me not just an amazing flute player, musician, a person to be orientated. He became like a, like how you say that um, when you go to India for Buddha schools, Aguri. Buddhism, schools. guru. Yes, I would say, not only in music, but in life, because Jackson is a very special person. Mm. And his approach to life, to people, to everything, fascinated me. He's for me like still a fairy tale, like a puzzle, which I am am trying to, to put together to understand him. And I asked him a few months after, Maestro, why? Can I ask you, I, I it's really I want just to understand this world and I want to know what. why did you take me? Because I played so badly. You, you did play bad, but I've seen the talent. Uh... For me to hear these words after studying in Russia, where we are seeking for perfection, which is not bad, it's just another side of the coin, you know, for me it was... To hear this was
0: something blew my mind. <laughs> but don't you think don't you think that's the way the world is, is that technical perfection, even though it's virtually impossible to actually reach perfection because perfection is a measure that each of us have on an individual thing. But have you ever been moved to tears by technical perfection? Or have you been moved to tears by something that has that has got you inside, some slow slow music that has sort of suddenly sort of captured you.
1: No, but when you see technical perfection, you just have another kind of emotion which comes to you. You start oh. to feel more low energy feeling <laughs> like it's like a African rhythms, you know, yeah. but of course, when we speak about heart and intellect music, which represents this aspect, um, it goes to high Energy, if I may say so, when it goes through different parts of the body, I would say you have to be perfect technically to be able to transmit something, which is not about perfection. Yeah, it's a paradox.
0: I mean, there are some musicians or flute players, or yeah, musicians that are very robotic that I, I personally struggle to to have any connection with. But yet, there's something that. It takes a special musician to be able to sort of open me up. I'm, I'm getting on in life and I've heard enough musicians now and I know what moves me and what doesn't move me. And playing fast, you go to any flute convention and everyone's playing the same thing, fast, loud. When I hear somebody and it can just be five or six bars, it can just be magic. And there's just something there that is greater than the, the dot, the note. And that moves us quite, that segues us on to something that is very important to you because not only is music important to you, but life is important and the process of life and how, how we struggle with the concept. We each, have, each and every one of us has you know, our own struggles and it could be personal, it could be family, it could be the inner voice that's talking to us. And being musicians, I think we have a rough deal. Because let's look at sport, for example. There's an outcome. There's a goal. As you said, if, if you could be a long jumper and the goal is to jump further than everybody else. So I understand why sports psychologists actually have a, they have a purpose because they can, they can almost mind map you into making you feel certain ways. When the pain barrier comes to be able to go through that pain barrier. So with sport, there's an outcome. But with music and performance, there, re- there, there really is a win, unless it's a competition, and then that's based, as we said, on other judgments. So are we sort of doing the music and the creative arts that is just an injustice by not being open about this and the fact that so many musicians are struggle inner, inside?
1: I think the answer to that is a very simple thing because musicians are and artists are always representations of the society (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) that is so true (laughs) it's true and you know just before starting our conversation i was reading an amazing article by russian psychologist the name just i will tell you the name of the article which fascinated me that's why that's why i decided to read it why humans in 21st century are living in emotional capitalism
0: Ooh,
1: <laughs> now
0: that is, that is a that is a that, title of
1: that, isn't it? Yes. That's interesting, <laughs> emotional capitalism. What do you think about this? And of course, it's so important if we're talking about art and artists and about what we represent nowadays. If psychologists are already talking about emotional capitalism, which is, of course, a consequence of society, and the consequence of uh, capitalism in the world what do we want from musicians because we are all musicians are there just to mirror the world that's why it's i i know many musicians who are trying to be non political you know or not not being in <sighs> Like active in uh, other aspects of life, but how it's even possible? Because what is art? We 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 are we are a mirror of what happens in the world, and to expect from competitions to even I don't I have to tell you I don't even understand why competitions exist. It's not a competition. You may call it I don't know festival or whatever. Competitions shouldn't exist. I. I'm not afraid to say that. and I don't want to participate. I was trying to participate. I was never accepted to any competition. And I know what people may think about me saying, like, oh, yeah, she was just wasn't accepted. That's why she's saying this. But this is not true. I just realized at some point that the path everybody goes, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't mean it's bad or good, but nothing to do with this idea of competition mm-hmm. itself. We just have to do it. But as many great artists who were creating Baroque epoca, which they didn't know that they are creating Baroque epoca, right? Mm-hmm. Or classicism after Baroque, they just were going against what was happening. What I'm trying to say is that I truly do not believe this is anymore the way to explore a real artist. If, of course, it's a wish for people to find something beautiful and to be connected with the world, to to have this beauty, to be able to observe the world. It's another psychological problem which is eaten, we are eaten by the world. So it's very difficult to explain to many people because 60, 70% of the world, they don't know even that they have a disease, psychological disease, Mm -hmm. right? Not disease, but illness. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for for many people, when I say that I hate competitions and I don't want to participate, they have their story in their mind. Yeah, she was just, she wasn't accepted or she, whatever the cliche way of thinking is. But I just don't like it. (laughs) I don't think it's the way. Do you
0: think that's because it's very prescriptive? And you 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 and your personality, you are inquisitorial, you are curious, and prescription puts you in a box. And whilst you're willing to accept that in certain environments, to be true to yourself and to what you are, you you need to be allowed to to be free of that.
1: Absolutely. I am in the position I am in the position now where I'm actually I want to take a break from everything for maybe a year because I'm just so lost thanks to COVID, thanks to the situation. I can I just feel a bit lost, even with myself, because I just feel that it's all wrong around me. I feel that I don't relate to a flute world, even I even though I love flute and I love music, but I don't relate to this. Idea, what is to be a flute player? To, to I don't believe I don't believe in this idea of competitions and it's. I don't. I just. The last thing I want to say that it's bad. Many people love it, I guess, and they like to to be in this business, right? But I just felt strongly that I am not. It's just against my nature. It is. What is my nature and where I will end up? Let's. Let's see. We all are going to see that. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm not. Yeah, I. I don't know. I don't know. But it's something which I feel is wrong.
0: But when you're speaking to all your artist friends, and we, you don't just have musician friends. You have musicians in all the creative arts, because to be truly creative. You, there's got to be almost I'm saying it hasn't got to be but there is almost a dysfunction in that person because they're seeing they're hearing they're witnessing things that are different and that's what makes them special and when you're sat around I mean you must have some great conversations with your friends but when you're sat around talking about meanings burnout lack of creativity in the world as you say creative capitalism musical capitalism it. It, it, the, the, fa- the fact that you have to be put on a pedestal, otherwise you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not going to win. Where do you think the biggest issue with creatives is in getting that motivation or that willingness to try and be different? Because it's very hard in this day and age, especially with the last 12 months with COVID, to be different because you've almost got to be, to accept the norm to be able to move through this next period to then escape the other side.
1: I think the first step would be stop to wish to be different because we are not different. It's, it's a paradox again. get. We are different and we are not to be. As soon as you have a wish to be different, something is wrong. Mm-hmm. As soon as you want to be like everybody, something is wrong. You shouldn't have any wish. You, It's maybe a scary thing to say, (laughs) a horrible thing to say, but you just have to exist. Life happens to you, not you are happening to life, I believe.
0: But you know, sometimes you can give a little key, you could speak to somebody, just like Emmanuel spoke to you, and they have this little key, they have this little key, and they open something within you.
1: Absolutely. But it happens so that I have just really few friends, musicians. I maybe just didn't meet these people yet, but I and I wish I will in our musical business. But I cannot talk to musicians. Many of them and all my <laughs> all my friends are painters or cinema directors or poets or writers or bankers or it's not a you know peel. I'm not saying it should be like this. It just happened to me that I don't have. Trans musicians.
0: But does that have the benefit of you having wider experiences in so many different areas that when you do play music, you can draw, you can draw from the, the visions of a cinematographer has, you can draw from what they see from an artist. They see things different to musicians. Do you feel as though you can draw from what you learn from them?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I cannot explain why and <laughs> the beauty of this I more and more I start to explore in the musical world people who are like this but it's very rare to me and this is what is upsetting but of course when I talk to them or when I talk to my friends who are not musicians we to be able to express this afterwards it's one of the greatest feelings in the world even though I struggle with flute music. I see how my friends are expressing themselves beautifully and more freely because to be a flute player is a very difficult thing in terms of we don't have such a big repertoire and such a, we don't have many keys to express ourselves on flute, which makes it very hard to be a good flute player, almost impossible. Not only because of repertoire, not only, it's not about even personalities. I'm fighting myself all the time because I have too much, too much my ideas and I should pay more attention to what composers say many times. But I many times lack playing flute, this freedom of expression of cinema or literature or.
0: Yeah, it's quite easy to be envious of someone that can look through a lens and just visualise and bring that over to the audience by the visual. We we rely totally on the auditory, although the visual happens if you're playing in front of them. But to read a good story and to have that ability to script certain words that just yeah. get to you, and that is hard as a musician, isn't it?
1: It's Of course, it's one of the hardest things. And one of the most beautiful things, because I think and many of my friends who are not musicians think that music is a perfection of art because more perfect than any other art. Because when you listen to music, that it shouldn't be programmed. Actually, we believe with my friends that words are killing music. It's a horrible thing to say. Songs, program, it all kills the spirit of music because the beauty of music is when you hear it, whatever you hear, you have your own trip. You have your own trip because when you see, I don't know, Buñuel or Godard movies, Lars von Trier, you you see what the person sees. You you have tri- you, you are having a trip with someone. But when you listen to music, no one can ever, no one can ever share it with you. It's actually intimate and special thing. So as soon as you say, as soon as you have words in music, you already are sharing someone's idea or someone's feeling, which is, of course, also beautiful. In my case, for me, the problem is repertoire. It's very hard to do something deep and beautiful out of pieces which were mainly written for competitions, for Mm -hmm. flute competitions. The, the most beautiful and profound music right Perf- which is which was created out of expression but but
0: life life experience plays a big is a big factor in how we perform otherwise we just see the the note and i was when I was seventeen I was once asked by a a professor have I ever had a girlfriend and i said um, well yes he said have you ever been in love and I went I don't know and he said that's why you can't play this piece properly because you have to know what that what the word means what love means inside and he said also you do you also need to know what it's like to lose love because you need to understand emotions and um, emotions are huge great things not only for us as human beings as a sentient being but also our need to convey whatever we're trying to convey to an audience and that's why I think you will probably find it a lot of music too prescriptive, because your life learning so far has been so wide that you probably really want to be, um, you really want to portray emotion. And sometimes you are, it is you have to play it this way.
1: Oh, this is my this is my biggest fight now because. All my life I was told how to play. All my teachers were showing me how they play. And there was nothing about what I can do about it. And how I was never helped to grow my own personal approach to music, whatever it is, or Gavotte Lully or Prokofiev Sonata. But sorry, this is a very beautiful example you told um, when you were 17 years old. If I would be your teacher... I would ask you, have you ever experienced love? And I'm sure you did when you were 17, because love is not limited to be experienced just with a girlfriend. Absolutely. Love has such many forms and can be your mother, your brother, your cat, your just the world. You can love the world. There are many people who, I don't know, they're virgin at 40 and they still are able to love. So I wouldn't say this as your professor. With my students now, for example, it's a very interesting trip because I'm trying to kind of grow their love to flute—not to perfection, but to to music and to the instrument—and I can feel how my love is growing with them. I'm sure you could play this piece. I'm sure you could.
0: Yeah, I I could, but it was just it was a long time ago. But just and it was interesting. I bring that yeah. reason I bring that up because you're exactly right when we all have measures and it could be whether i've been loved i could have lo- i actually love my dog my mom my dad all that time but it wasn't put to me like that and then loss yeah i lost i've lost a, a pet you know i lost a grandparent it could have been there there are measurables and i think this is where you know teachers and professors we could use different phrases and different uses of language to get emotions out because let's let's face it, you feel constrained by being told how to play things. And to you, what is freedom? As in freedom of thought, freedom of expression, freedom of mind in a musical context. Otherwise, we we could go off on a big tangent here.
1: <laughs> For me, freedom is a discipline. It's a paradox. Do you
0: know, I can understand that. I can understand that, yes. So freedom to you is to have discipline.
1: I am, um, But not this discipline when you have to do things. No. Because there are big differences, which I want to do things or I need to do things or I, I have to do things. Okay. I am reading now an amazing book written by a Russian um, guy. He was just very interested in this Japanese concept of ikigai. Oh, ikigai, yes. Yeah. You know what is yes. ikigai? So this is what I mean, it, you don't force yourself to do but you just do it like Miyazaki. This yeah. guy, just if I don't know if our listeners, they know this concept, but I can express it very fast. Everybody know, I am Miyazaki, this guy draws 24 hours per day, he sleeps five, he has meetings. He has, I don't know, Oscar, he has, he just draws all the time. After he went on his pension, the first thing he went to do, drawing, 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 drawing. Not because he forced him to do that, because he cannot live without this. He actually, that's why in Japan, there's such a big percent of people who are living till 100, because they are driven by their ikigai, which is the purpose of their existing, the deal, like their...
0: DNA, the thing
1: yes. like, why they are in the world, and they do one one job every time, every day, all their life, happily, and not in a rush. This is the most important thing which I, because the the book is is interviews of these people who are living in this um, town where they live until hundred. they all are just calmly doing every day the same. And there's one very famous sushi maker in Japan, also Ikigai. He has his sushi place in the, I don't know, in the metro or something like this. Ah, in place. This is the very old, they, he, a
0: very old man that is very grumpy as well.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. And he has three stars of Michelin yeah. and he doesn't care about that. He just makes his sushi and he wants to make them every day better and better. It's such a different approach to life in terms of Russian way of living, European, right, or American. It's just, like, the opposite. I don't know, I don't say it's good or bad, but we need to know this. We need to, because I'm searching my ikigai. I cannot say flute is my ikigai. I love flute. I love music, but I don't know. It has such many forms. What is, I feel I'm lost. I feel that I have all my troubles, my doubts, because I'm just not focused on something which has love, and it's because I focus on many things, which is another part of the medal. You, you, it's a, the world is a paradox. Everything is paradoxical. Just it's so, so beautiful to, to explore that.
0: And how do you, you're you're talking about taking a little bit of time off to try and find your Ikigai like and or to try and find you, what is your calling, what is the thing that is going to drive you from a happiness base how would you how would you do that would you go into retreat for six months into a retreat for a year would you go and uh, just go walking just be with your inner thoughts where would you because I would imagine your mind I don't this is the first time we've spoken I would imagine your inner voice is constantly chattering constantly talking at you So how would you find that dialogue where you say, ah, we agree?
1: It's very interesting what you're saying because it's one of my latest um, ericas about myself is that I'm actually a great person to talk with. Because I usually talk with books I read. I always talk to my friends or to someone I always want to know someone's opinion but suddenly I realized that I never have a dialogue with myself like a dialogue really not a wow. never never because I love people so much I just want to know what people think that I totally forget many times what I'm saying and I suddenly like I feel like oh my god I can talk to myself I can speak with myself that's interesting <laughs> and it's an absolutely new concept for me, so I'm a bit uh, getting used and I'm a bit scared because I can, I'm afraid I can't get on social totally because it's just, uh, what do you need? You, you just talk?
0: I think most people have that uh, inner voice going on. I have, because I meditate, I'm a, long, I'm a long-time meditator, so in my, I, I meditate for an hour in the morning and I do it in the evening. But I always start with a mantra is that I am not my thoughts, my thoughts are impermanent. Because sometimes my thoughts were used to sort of drive me and I'd start to focus on my thoughts, which are an impermanent part of that process.
1: But is it the same what I mean? Because it's not, of course, I have a constant uh, noise in my brain, like everyone, right? But when you meditate, you stop. No,
0: because no, I, I think it's important. Very rarely can I have a well you you
1: observe you observe uh, yes, how yeah. it goes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I observe and I, push away. Yeah. But what I mean by talking to myself is to be conscious. I Ooh. ask myself a question and I answer it. Like if my friend would ask. This is kind of a conversation I'm <laughs> now trying to it's in a way meditation. Actually, this is so interesting. If you meditate, music is a meditation. Yes. As soon as you do mistakes, as as soon as you fail, you forget the the the, uh, the, the, the text or whatever happens on the stage, which is unexpected. We many people fight that. It means that you are just not focus and but it's not the focus when you are tensely focused it's when you let it go when you trust your body it just has to in my case when I perform it's always a meditation not always happens well but it's normal I guess
0: yeah for me I live I live very much in the present moment so that's how I meditation for me is easy and I can meditate doing many things and it's sort of sorted me out from my youth um But it's interesting, you have a conscious, conscious dialogue.
1: Because I try, I I try to meditate, I I train that. I am a very impatient person, this is another, (laughs) this is my problem, this is, (laughs) there's always another side. I'm super impatient, and for me meditation is a challenge, of course. Mm. I want to do, I need to uh, have action, but it's beautiful, and um, observation I took, now I'm taking courses of photography. I just suddenly felt I just want to to do something interesting new. And it's beautiful because one of the lessons which I had was just you spend the day like a homework observing. And this is exactly the type of a conversation I started to have with myself. Like
0: You know, if you're going to do a conscious-conscious dialogue rather than a conscious-subconscious dialogue, isn't it amazing when the conscious that you're talking to speaks back? You get that voice it's back. <laughs> it's scary. Don't you don't you find that this this journey that you're on, this unlocking that you're on, you know, your calling could be to come back to the very profession that you are going to take time out because all creatives need this passion that you've got, this energy you've got, and this therapy, because ultimately musicians need to unload because as we know psychologists had they they have to have they have to be able to unload on other people because otherwise they're taking on the transference from all their patients. Don't you think there's something there that you can you can be, you can create this sort of place. Because creatives need to be able to speak. And you say you speak a lot to non musicians and I understand that. But in that process, you're actually offloading, aren't you? Because you're offloading ideas, creative thoughts, feelings. And it's almost therapeutic in itself. But musicians don't do that. They go for a drink afterwards never have a, a little chat. and
1: I do that too. I love, I love wine. I, I love to have drinks after, but I love to have drinks with people who like not just drinking and to have little chats, but to have profound conversations, yeah. of course. And for me, it's crucial Yeah, this is the most beautiful part of any dinner or any drinks. I suffer now behind this artistic vision of life. I suffer uh, basic problems, you know, lack of money, lack of work, lack of concerts. That's why it's so maybe big my opinions on that. Like they're, I would say huge, right? (laughs) Just opinions, but what is this opinion if I cannot integrate them in yes. the real world, right? This is what I do not do yet. And I, I, love, I, I love to talk, I love to speak with different people, but this is what I'm talking about when I'm uh, trying to find my Ikigai. I cannot, I, I, I know that I know a lot already and I know I will know even more <laughs> And more and more, I just don't know yet how to integrate it. And yeah, I I don't know, but of course I struggle with many, you know. But human don't, problems like everyone.
0: But I'm sure people listening to this podcast can hear similarities with so many, I hope so. but not only with themselves, but so many famous and well-known artists, performers over the centuries that have struggled with exactly what you're saying you're struggling with and you know yeah. so- society is all it's it, it's sort of closing in in this expansion of the web and every, everything getting smaller or get yeah getting smaller with communication it's actually closing in rather than expanding
1: yeah
0: i'm sure you will find your ikigai i'm sure, oh, you, I'm you. sure <laughs> you i'm sure you i'm sure you find it but it, it will probably come at a very profound moment you'll be lying in the bath somewhere and something will happen. You'll have this Buddha experience. Instead of sitting under a tree for a long time, you will have this experience that will just, it will present itself and it will Thank fundamentally you. give you that line. And I think you being you, I think you would take that as a line and you would develop it not only for yourself, but for the benefit of others. And that you, this, this is not Katya doing on speaking about herself this is about katya's frustrations with society and musicians and music and the fact that music is for all and it shouldn't be as prescriptive and i'm sure if you listen to david getter's titanium you'll get a trip off that just as if you would listened to someone playing the pulant sonata if it really moved you and yeah i think that once that line in the sand is done i think you are going to You're going to be a force to be reckoned with.
1: Thank you, now, for example, this conversation now is also a beautiful, beautiful miracle, you know, uh, in this day because I I feel so connected to the world having conversations like this. Maybe this is my Aiki guy. I love to speak with people. And uh, I love to observe the beauty of other thoughts. And you are so helpful with what, like just with your even smile here, like how you, how we've how we started to speak. We never talked before, like a few times in Instagram maybe, but this is such a beautiful, beautiful world, even a virtual world, which, which connects us because we also often, we, blame things and we forget and of course yes i we all struggle we all struggle and i if there are listeners who can relate to me i am everything i was saying now it's a total truth and i know there are people who relate a lot to this and what i would like to wish everyone is just leave and explore not have any prejudices or expectations because this is what ruins uh, your personality and uh, it ruins your ability to observe how beautiful is this world
0: well i think i think we need another podcast because we can have a great we can have a good because we're on the same lines here the paradox yeah. of positive thinking. You know, we can have this great yeah. discussion on that another time. Oh,
1: I, I, I would love to about anything because it's <laughs> such a pleasure to talk to you. Know, really, I, it's beautiful. Thank you so much for invitation and for this, for this minutes <laughs> no, minutes of my life.
0: No, you are as I said, you are such a fascinating person, and I discovered you on social media, and your Instagram account it shows you as you. You know, there is no edges. There is, it's just Katya. And it, it's the, it just shows you enjoying life and also as a musician and as a flute player. And in being able to speak to people like you are today, people know that, yes, you're a very talented person, but also in, in being a talented person and being willing to explore, that has its own issues. And with issues, is yeah. in feeling lost, in feeling burnt out, um, you know, that exactly. is normal. And I think it's important that people like you can speak to people and say, don't worry.
1: Exactly. No, this is what I want to say. You're absolutely right. Basically, just don't worry. Don't worry. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. I don't want also to say, you know, be this fake uh, positive <laughs> <laughs> and let's just live our life
0: and what a great place to finish oh <laughs> eh, you. oh you've been so sweet thank you very much for coming on thanks
1: to you thanks to you i hope i really hope i talk to you again <laughs> this
0: is oh i will make so. i will make sure <laughs> great Katya, take care
1: thanks.
0: and thank you everybody for listening to this week's talking flutes extra may your coming week be pleasant may your coming week be joyful. And may your low B be particularly in tune. Goodbye.